Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today I want to start out uh, telling you a little bit about what you're missing on wealthformula.com. I mean, listen, there's lots of downloads there. There's ways to participate in the show. You can go there and leave a message for a future Ask Buck show on SpeakPipe, or you can just leave some comments or questions, uh, whatever. And you can also download my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth. All that stuff, just join in, participate, get part of the list so that you don't get left out. Join Investor Club if you are an accredited investor so you can get your money off the sidelines and start looking at opportunities that might actually be worth it. What is an accredited investor? You might ask, well, most of you already know because we always talk about this kind of thing on the show, but an accredited investor is somebody who makes $200,000 per year, at least for two years, and reasonable expectation of doing so again uh, in the next year, or $300,000 if filing jointly, or and or has a net worth of $1 million outside of a personal residence. That was, uh, that was what was that movie I was copying? Well, you know what I was talking, uh, pretending to be. Anyway, the other thing to mention for those of you who just can't get enough of Wealth Formula, then get part of the Wealth Formula Network. You're missing out on a phenomenal course with the likes of uh, Tom Wheelwright, Kevin Day, Ken McElroy, the real estate guys, uh, Dean Graziosi, Christian Allen, myself, another, who knows, all sorts of good good information in that course. And then once you are part of that, and this is basically a subscription model, you get the course, you get, also get access to a private membership, Facebook site, a private forum with new content, and Perhaps the most exciting part is the bi-weekly mastermind calls, which are, um, I think, the highlight. You, we, all, we all kind of, we do this, uh, you know, we do these Google Hangouts, so we're all kind of looking at each other. We're all high tech and talking business. It's been a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, check that out at wealthformularoadmap.com. Now, as for today's show... I uh, let me talk about uh, something that I think is important. You know, I have learned a lot of stuff in my life. You probably figure that out from just knowing about the things that I've done and the things I talk about. So I've learned things from the principles of neurosurgery to the intricacies of cryptocurrency. And listen, some of this stuff is pretty complicated. At first, okay, at first, because what I'm going to tell you is a little secret that if you don't know it already, you should, because if you think the things that I've done are complicated, I will tell you that just about everything, just about everything, and I will say probably everything that I have learned that appears to be complex at first can be broken down into its simple components and it makes it so much easier to understand. Man, I will tell you, if you cannot explain something, it is really, 
it's there's there's a there's a very good chance you just don't understand it. So explaining things in a very simple way is a big part of understanding it. And to get to that point, you have to break it down into its simple components. And if I have any God-given gift, it is the ability to simplify. I am a simplifier. I don't like complexity. When I bowl, there is no spin. You know why? Because I just want to hit that ball right down the middle and and knock those pins down. And if you don't think it works, uh, I have to tell you, in high school, once I had seven strikes in a row, bowled a 273. Huh? Okay, I don't do that all the time. But it, all I did was throw the ball down the middle. Um, and I have to tell you, this God-given gift to simplify, thank God I've got it because... Frankly, I don't think I'm smart enough to understand anything that is truly complex. I really don't. And you, you're you probably saying, oh, yeah, former brain surgery, head and neck surgery, plastic surgery, all this, you know, this entrepreneurial. No, none of it is all that complex. You can learn it. You just have to get into it and get granular with it. It's not about how smart you are. 99% of the time, it's about how hard you are willing to try to learn something you know for me anytime I try to learn something new uh, all I do is I just try to break it down into simple little pieces and when I do that like clockwork eventually I get it and that my friend is my framework for learning and people want to keep telling me I can't do it that way. There's no way to break things down simply. You know, I've been trying to learn stuff in the note space, uh, the non-performing note space, and man, I can tell you, everybody wants to tell you, it's just too hard to learn. It's You can't break this down. There's too many, whatever. I don't believe it. I mean, I haven't cracked the code. I haven't gotten really good at it yet. That's what I'm trying to learn. But when I do, I promise you that when I learn it well, I'll be able to explain it to you all very well. And uh, that's going to be great because I think it's a great opportunity. Um, it's just, you know, one of those things that not a lot of people are really good at teaching. I know some of you out there are really good at doing it. I don't know if you're good at teaching it. But anyway, um, for me, again, uh, listen, uh, simplicity, trying to break things down into simple components that is what I call a framework. You know, that's my framework for learning, right? That's how I approach every situation when I try to learn something new. And I like frameworks. You can create frameworks uh, around a lot of things. And for me, creating frameworks helps me simplify really everything, you know? Otherwise, if I didn't, if I didn't use frameworks, if I didn't do that, I would be absolutely overwhelmed uh, with the decisions that come up in my life all the time. And, and, and that is the truth. Now, let me give you, uh, now that I've built up this whole idea of frameworks so much, let me give you a couple examples of other frameworks that I have created that help me from losing my mind. And the first one, this one is simple. Uh, it's actually very, all of them are simple, right? Because I'm trying to break them down to frameworks. But this one, I, it's simple, simply stated as make tomorrow's decisions today. And what does that mean? Well, that idea, that framework is why I moved to Santa Barbara. You know, we had, my wife and I and my kids, we had this gorgeous home in the northern suburbs of Chicago and great friends and the kids were happy. Why move, right? By the way, the house is still available it's in Winnetka, Illinois, if anybody wants to buy it. Um, I, I, I'm trying to sell because I don't need it anymore. But anyway, um, so why move? Why move if everything is perfect? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons for that. And the first one is that I noticed that every winter, half the houses on my street were empty, right? Why? Because all the retirees were in Florida. They went to Florida because they didn't want to be in the Chicago winter. Right? 
But why did they come back? Well, they came back because a lot of their friends were in Chicago. They spent their whole lives in Chicago, right? So I'm thinking to myself, will that be me in 25 years, right? With the kids out of the house in other states and sub-zero temperatures in Chicago, would I, would I even want to live in Chicago anymore? And would I just keep coming back? Because, well, shoot, you know, I lived my entire adult, you know, life in, in, in Chicago, and now that's where all my friends are, and I can't really move. I mean, I don't know anybody in the other place. I go there because it's warm, but I really want to go back and see all my peeps. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, right? I don't, uh, that, why would you do that if you didn't have to? I'm not saying that if you have to, that you have a choice, but if you don't have to do that, why would you? In other words, if you know that in 25 years, you're going to start moving away every summer, or I'm sorry, every winter, because you, uh, it's cold and you wish you lived somewhere else, then why not just move now if you can? So that is an example of making uh, tomorrow's decisions today. And, and, and specifically in our case, I mean, listen, we were going to Santa Barbara where we live now. We were going there every year. We went there every year for five years, right? And I had gotten to the place with my own, you know, career where I was location independent. So uh, everybody was happy. There was no reason to move. So why move? Because, because I looked at tomorrow's decisions and I said, let's just do it now. So. Um, I decided, we decided that if we just moved to where uh, we would want to retire someday today with my young family, my wife, I wouldn't have to move and make new friends in our 70s. And even better, the kids might want to actually come home and visit us. Or maybe, who knows, what I really want is because I'm, uh, you know, I'm obsessive about this kind of stuff, but I have envisioning that my kids will live near me, which I think is... Uh, Probably a lot of what parents think, but they don't really talk about it out loud. They're so little, but man, I already think about it. Now, um, let me tell you about one last framework. And this is really important because this is one of the most powerful frameworks that you can really use in your life. And I call it the deathbed framework. Uh, Sounds a little scary, doesn't it? Well, it's not scary. Let me give you an example of how the deathbed framework works, okay? So a couple weeks ago, I got an email from a college student. Well, I think he just finished college. Anyway, he wanted to talk to me about whether or not he should go to medical school. And I get, I get this question a lot because obviously I am a physician uh, by training. I am licensed and board certified and all that good stuff, but I don't practice. And... I only really practiced in earnest for about, you know, probably about seven years after um, after my training. So, you know, trained until I was 34, 35 years old. So, you know, it certainly wasn't a long career. So uh, uh, people ask me, should I go to medical school? Right. Now, you might say I would say, well, no, don't do it, because that's what a lot of doctors uh, at this point when they leave medicine say. But I don't. This is what I do. I ask them a question. If you, do, if you don't go to medical school, if you don't become a doctor, will you regret it on your deathbed? You know why? Because after all, that's really the only reason to become a doctor these days. It sure ain't the money. That's for sure. I'll tell you that much. You know, I have, um, in hindsight, asked myself the same question, right? I've asked myself the question... If you had to do it over again, would you have gone to medical school? Would you have become a doctor? Would you have become a surgeon? And um, the answer for me again, even though I barely practice, I mean, literally less than a decade on my own, outside of training, the answer is yes. Why? Because if I didn't, someday on my deathbed, I would wonder what it would have been like to be a doctor. And that is the reason to do it. That's a reason to do anything that is going to require that much time in your life and commitment. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, this framework might seem a little oversimplistic. After all, what about the whole, 
your mission in life thing, you know? I mean, is is what if medicine's your shouldn't it be because it's your mission in life? Well, yeah, sure. And all what about all those years you'd have to put into it? Shouldn't you consider all of that too? Well, yeah. Yeah, sure. But at the end of the day, I would argue that all of those other variables just complicate the question because I will tell you that it's hard, you know, and and don't try to justify what you really, really want because whether it's rational or not, you will regret not going for it. It is the other word for these kinds of decisions is really your, you know, what your, your gut says or what your visceral response is, right? Sometimes you can't reason yourself into these things or out. You kind of have to go with your gut. So for me, even though I am quite convinced that I would be a lot wealthier if I had not gone to medical school and wasted, or not wasted, not wasted, that's a bad word, but if I had not spent a good, you know, four years in medical, or four years in college, I would have done, but then I also spent, you know, a couple years doing research, four years in medical school, and a grand total of seven years of postgraduate training if I had not spent you know 11 to you know 13 14 years purely in medicine I think I think I I think I would have made a lot more money than I am now I'm doing fine but I think I would have been in for the kinds of things I like to do now I think I would have been way ahead but anyway I still don't regret it now make no mistake uh, as somber as the death bad framework actually sounds it's actually very practical and can be applied in all sorts of circumstances you know decisions or the way you view life etc for instance um let me give you an ex- another example where i use it i'm not one to spend a lot on myself i just really i just you know i'm just um i'm a little i'm a little bit of a simple guy right i don't really need fancy stuff i'm not you know, as much as I like vintage cars, for example, like vintage Ferraris and Porsches, I cannot get myself to do it. I can't get myself to do it. And I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a cheapo when it comes to myself. But I do, I do really like giving things to other people. And I'm not cheap when it comes to that. Um, because I enjoy the experience of making others happy and gifting them things. Because if it's meaningful to them, it's a memory for me. So what I'm really doing is collecting memories. And when I give things to people, my preference more often than not will always be to provide an experience rather than a thing. So for the last several years, I've given my nephew, uh, who is uh, now in college, I've been uh, giving him uh, NBA tickets because he's a huge basketball fan. Been giving him tickets for his birthday because he loves basketball, right? Now, if I just gave him some junk, right? Some mall junk, or maybe it's a fancy watch or whatever, who knows? Uh, he'd enjoy it for a few minutes probably, and then he'd never think about it again. But he will always have his memories of those games to cherish. And that is really what it's all about, right? For me personally, and I don't know about you, but some of the most vivid memories of childhood, especially being so into sports like I was and and am, are going to, you know, professional ice hockey games. I remember watching the Minnesota North Stars before they moved to Dallas, where there is no ice. Um, I remember going to watch Vikings football games. Of course, that is, you know, my obsession now and baseball games with the Minnesota Twins. I remember going to see the Rolling Stones in concert. I remember going to Lollapalooza 1 and 2 and seeing Red Hot Chili Peppers in concert. That was super cool, right? Um, I remember very, very little about the stuff people gave me over the years, and that's not being, no, that's not me being unappreciative. I appreciate anybody who's given me anything, especially if it's something that I uh, drank. And uh, with some kind of a bourbon. But the experiences in particular are the things that I remember, right? Those are the things that I'll take to my deathbed. And those are the things, in my opinion, that are the important things 
to splurge on a little bit and start collecting as they will always be with you. Experiences, in the end, are the ultimate currency of a life well lived. So, with all that being said, my guest on Wealth Formula podcast today has had enough interesting experiences for multiple lives, and his business is to give others even more. His name is Steve Sims, and when we come back, we will talk about how his company might be able to enrich your experiential life. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My guest on today's Wealth Formula podcast is Steve Sims. He is the visionary founder of Bluefish, the world's first luxury concierge that delivers the highest level of personalized travel, transportation, and cutting-edge entertainment services to corporate executives, celebrities, professional athletes, and other discerning individuals like you interested in living life to its fullest. Welcome to Wealth Formula Podcast, Steve. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Steve, let's start out with you. This is an interesting kind of area that you're in. Tell us about yourself. Obviously, that's not a uh, that's not an, a, a, a Texas accent you've got. Where did you get your start, <laughs> and uh, how did you end up starting Bluefish? Um, well, I didn't. Is the easy answer before <laughs> I go into it. Perfect. But um, I'm a I'm a bricklayer from East London. Um, trying to find a job like all entrepreneurs knew more about where I didn't fit than where I did fit. Um, tried a whole host of jobs from cake salesman, insurance salesman, tried to be a stockbroker, ended up in Hong Kong doing what God built me for working on the door of a dodgy nightclub. Um, and quite simply, I had people coming to me asking me, Oh, do you know how to get into this party? And do you know, it became my way of being value in a circle of affluent people. So the more people were asking me, where's the best club? Where's the best uh, restaurant? Where's the best place to stay? Where's the best hotel? It grew. And I thought, I only want to work with the rich people. So I'm only going to advise the most affluent access. Um, and I started getting people into really cool clubs and parties in Hong Kong. Then I started getting them into you know, worldwide social events like Kentucky Derby, Stard Polo, Monaco Grand Prix. And it just, it just grew. And all this time, here's the dumb thing. All this time, I thought to myself, I'm just building up a network that I can turn around and go, hey, give me a job. Without realizing <laughs> it, I was actually building up my own business. Right, right. Well, that's, well, that's pretty interesting. Um, I mean, and, and that's sort of, you, you found a, a niche where, uh, you know, you were, you were unbeknownst to yourself creating a business. In a way, I kind of did the same things with the, this podcast. I just started talking, and the next thing you know, I had a business that, that came of it. So that's, that's sometimes the best kind, because it means you're doing what you're, you're interested in. But, you know, was there a critical point during this path? I mean, obviously, uh, there's a big step uh, from, from being a guy who knows where the best parties are and where the best place to stay is to becoming, you know, a business and, and really a recognized concierge service. When did that happen? And how did you, you know, how did you reach that, that conclusion or that point? 
Well, it's like all mountains. They start off by being little stones that just get together. Um, so it, the, the requests got bigger and bigger. And as I say, went from getting into to Johnny's party to, you know, hanging out in the pits of Formula One and then closing down museums and getting married by the Pope and visiting the Titanic. <laughs> Um, not at the same time, but <laughs> those are all things that, that that we've done. It's a case of I think the one that really surprised me was when in the late nineties I started doing a lot of the Formula One parties for Ferrari, and I thought, okay, and that just made me think, well, I'm just a party planner now, you know. <laughs> yeah. But just happened to be with one of the biggest iconic uh, car groups in there, um, and then when I came to the states in two thousand friend of mine contacted me and uh, I must I must first let you know that I've never Googled an applicant to my company. So it's been really interesting. Once I've taken them on as a client, finding out just how powerful they actually are can be quite surprising. But I don't want that intimidation to start at the beginning of the conversation. By the time I've been working with them for a while, there's no intimidation. But one of my clients actually owned the New York Fashion Week. And wow. he said to me, hey, I want you to look after this little event I've got going on. And I went, oh, what's that? He said, it's the New York Fashion Week. I'm like, what bloody hell do you want me to do with that? And he was like, ah, you could be the, uh, the, the concierge to it. <laughs> that was the first time we'd ever been referred to as a concierge. Uh, we're not called Bluefish Concierge. We're not called the concierge. We're called Bluefish. Uh, we openly tell people we're an, we're an attitude, we're a style, we're a tone. We don't say we're a concierge. We say we do all of these things, but we're not a concierge. Um, and the, he literally put it in the New York Times that we were the official concierge of the New York Times. And wow. Of course then so he started the, it for you. Oh, he started. <laughs> so then the Kentucky Derby took us on. The Grammys took us on. Uh, Ferrari did some events in America and Palm Beach. They took us on. Bridgehampton Polo, West Palm Beach. So before you knew it, people were looking for a source. They were looking for someone to give them better cocktail stories, make them a bit more exciting, make them a bit more interesting. And we became that person. So um, now you've got. So that's how it grew. Right. So now you, I mean, obviously, and we'll get get more into this in a little bit, but now you've got access to pretty extraordinary things, people, et cetera. But, at, you know. So, so it's easy once you get there and you're, you're already doing this, it's probably a little bit easier to get access to those things now than it used to be. Oh, by far. What, what did you have to do in order to, you know, to pull off some of the things that you did early on? I mean, was it just, you know, kind of leveraging from one person to the next and how, how did that work? So all of my intelligence comes from quips and quotes of which I've got a million. But someone once said to me that you don't step onto the roof. You have to climb up a ladder. So as I grew and I got to know people, I could go to those people and go, hey, do you know so-and-so? Make a phone call for me. Because, you know, you, you know me and you, you've heard stories about me and you, you, you see what I look like. I'm 240 pounds of tattooed, pierced, ugly. You know, that's, that's it. You know, I ride around on motorcycles, drink too much whiskey for my health. Not exactly probably the, you know, the, the, the Prince Charming that you want to see walking down your street or holding on to your black card and, and bank account details. So if I came to you in a party and I went, hey, I'm the guy that can close the museum down. I'm the guy who can get you on stage with your favorite rock band. You'd look at me and go, yeah, sure you are, mate. But if your best friend told you that, hey, now it's crystal. Now it's gospel, yep. you know? Yep. So I always and still do, I use the leverage of other people's connections to get me in as a hot source to start with. I enter every phone call with the person going, oh, yeah, I heard about you. Jimmy called me and told me, oh, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, yeah, you're coming incredible without trying to sell yourself right. because everyone else has. I, I learned that trick from a real young age. And the daft thing, and you, you, you'll realize by now there wasn't a lot of intelligence in growing this company. I was looking for a job. I would literally three or four days a week, get up, take the earrings out, put a suit on, go and find a job, <laughs> not get it, and then throw a kick-ass party in Geneva or Thailand or something like that on the weekend, and then come Tuesday, go looking for a job again. 
I never realized <laughs> what I actually had. And our good friend, Joe Polish, he talks about elf, you know, easy, lucrative fun. Right. Um, I was to go with energy. Uh, if I can do something that takes zero energy and nine times out of 10, if you can do what you're doing easily because you're that good at it, the energy is very low and the friction's very low. So me throwing a party at a Royal Palace in Monaco was very easy for me. Me getting a job to sell cars in a car dealership was proven impossible. But believe it or not, <laughs> that's what I was trying to do before I realized I actually had something. So the reason I wanted to have you on Wealth Formula Podcast is that, you know, I'm a big proponent of experiences over stuff. You know, I, I, um, when I, I, you know, my nephew uh, is in college now, but every year I would get him tickets to something uh, when it was his birthday rather than send him some junk. Uh, and, and, you know, to me, it's um, it's 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 something that you can hold on to forever. And does that ethos have anything to do with what Bluefish is about? It's everything. It's only that. What the 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 standing line is that you will not take anything away from anything we provide you, other than memories and cocktail stories. And the thing about thing about your memories is that they get polished with time, as Dan, Dan Sullivan says. They get bigger. They get broader. They're more impactful. I give you a, a $100,000 Audemars Piget watch, okay? You say thank you, okay? And you remember Steve Sims gave you a $100,000 watch. What you'll remember is that it's a $100,000 watch. You'll remember that price tag. But I fly you to Geneva. I take you into the studios and they teach you what goes into a watch and how they make it. And you actually have some part of actually constructing one of those watches. And then you leave. You're going to remember that experience far more. It would have cost significantly less. But you'll remember that experience far longer than you'll ever own that watch. Yeah, no question about it. And I think that's 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 the thing that I certainly live by, even in little things. I mean, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I was uh, just yesterday. Uh, my wife and I decided, well, you know, we we might we might get a chef like three days a week just to cook for us at home. And it seemed at first, uh, you know, a little excessive, right? Well, why why can't we just do our own thing? I mean, we, but we end up eating out all the time. And you know, at the end of the day, it's like it's not that much different in ter in terms of price. And if we just stay home, we may not you know, really have, uh, really, you know, make much of dinner. The dinner might not be that great of an experience, but now all of a sudden you've got this opportunity to have this, you know, home cooked meal with a chef at your own house. And how much does that cost? Well, it still costs a lot less than a lot of crap you could buy for the same amount. So, so that's kind of why, you know, that's exactly why your stuff, you know, really appeals to me. Um, now let's. I actually wrote. Yeah. I wrote just to embellish on that a little bit. I wrote about that in in my book about how I got a chef. Now, I'm a whiskey drinking biker from London. I'm 52 years old. I live up in the hills in Los Angeles, but I'm still a whiskey drinking biker <laughs> from London. So the idea of having made the clean house, or having a chef, or having gardeners water my lawn. I still kind of go, oh, God, you know, I never <laughs> thought this would happen. The chef thing was a big thing for me because there's a few things that happen. One, you eat better based on your dietary yep. requirements. Chefs, chefs can do it. But this is what kicked me in the ass. I tried it as an experiment, and I loved it, and I urge anyone else to do it. I work with my wife, okay? I hate 11 o'clock in the morning, and I hate 5 o'clock in the afternoon for two reasons. At, at between 10 and 11 in the morning, my wife will say to me, what do you fancy for food tonight? And you've got to stop what you're doing and start thinking about what you're going to fancy in six or seven hours time. Right. Okay. Right. That for a start is annoying. She's then got to make a list. She's then got to go and shop for it or check if we've got it. She goes out. She leaves the house. Come five o'clock. She's now making dinner. Yep. You get a chef, you've got no 11 a.m. phone uh, uh, conversation. Chef turns up. I used to have a chef come into my house at 5.30 with the food half prepared, finish it off in the house, and leave. Um, and 
you've got no conversation. She's not now leaving the house unless she wants to. I actually gained about three hours a day because she was able to do stuff, be more involved. The kids would come home. We could play with the kids rather than getting the dinner put together. And we were losing weight. We were trying gluten-free. We were trying all these different things. And also, you'd go to your fridge and you want to make a sandwich. So you buy a lettuce. You know, unless you have a sandwich every day, the bloody lettuce is thrown away in three days' time. You found that your, your fridge was basically a third full of stuff that wouldn't perish. So I found it a great way of relieving time, stress, and giving you more stuff to do with your family. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's all about, you know, the, the whole time thing. And, and, you know, my wife likes to cook, but, you know, she's uh, she's got her own little business going. And so what we decided is, like, you know what, we, we typically are going to go out once or twice to a restaurant anyway. Um, but she wants to cook, but cook she wants to mean it when she cooks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yep. she really enjoys cooking, but when she has, when she feels like she has to do it multiple times per week, it becomes a job rather than something that she wants to really do. So now she has two days where she's like super excited about cooking for the family. And, and I'll tell you, you know, again, it's not, it's not the, you know, it's a lot less expensive than you think it might be to look into uh-huh. these services. You know, and uh, but the uh, the, you know, the happiness that you can bring to your family, particularly in my case, my wife, <laughs> it's worth every penny. So yep. um, let's everyone jump. should try it. Everyone should try yeah. it. Yeah, no question. No question. So let's let's talk a little bit more specifically about bluefish. Now, you know, the uh, the range of things available to people's experiences uh, that I, I've seen on your site, and now I'm I'm a I'm a member as as part of uh, I'm, I'm also in the Joe Polish group Polish group with you. So so I am starting to toy around with this stuff myself. But give give us some ideas. Give tell us some of the extraordinary things. You know, pick two or three of your favorite things that people have done oh where God. you're just like, wow, that was very cool. Well. As you know, we book hotels and flights and stuff like that. But what we're real, really well known for is the amazing experiential stuff. Three. All right. So I'm going to rattle on until you tell me to shut up. I put a <laughs> client who's, uh, who sang on stage with the rock band Journey because he wanted to meet them. And I didn't think that was good enough. Didn't think it was cool enough. Uh, I've sent people down to the Titanic. I've had clients wanting to get married in the Vatican by the Pope. I've closed museums down for a private dinner party of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David in Florence. And then we needed some entertainment. So I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade him. Uh, every year I partner with Elton John and I, uh, I have clients walk the white carpet and hang out with him at Cipriani's in New York and then in Los Angeles on the Oscars. Uh, I've had people doing guitar lessons with um, ZZ Top, singing lessons with uh, Florida Georgia Lines, basketball lessons with uh, LA Lakers and Miami Heat. Uh, drum lessons with Guns N' Roses. Um, I've had people sit in front row of every fashion week from Singapore, Milan, Paris, London, New York, uh, not LA, <laughs> thankfully. Um, I just am the guy you come to when you have a slight dream and inclination and a checkbook that can match it, and then I go and make the magical happen. Right, right. Um, That's a bit more than three. No, so I no, I, 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 it's great. And the I, um, What is... What is the most extraordinary experience you've ever had? So I'm pretty dull. Um, <laughs> I barbecue. I play around with motorcycles. Um, I live vicariously through my clients. Sure. But one of the greatest experiences I ever had was one of the experiences that I put together for my client that meant the most to me that actually ended up being the cheapest experience I have ever, 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 ever done. So I'll tell you about that one. I'm a great believer in the power of the experience, not the power of the checkbook. So if you want Andrea Bocelli to come in a serenade you in France, you've got to have a big fat checkbook, okay? So the there's a client that spends anywhere between 50 to three quarters of a million dollars on his anniversary. Every year does something absolutely amazing. And this year he wanted to do something that was incredibly wonderful again, but it was his 20th. So this year he wanted it to be impactful. 
So for that reason, we started looking into what would be impactful, what would create the biggest memory, what would be the biggest experience. Well, here's a funny thing. If I walk up to you in the street and I punch you in the head, that's going to be an impactful experience that you're going to remember for a very, very long time and probably every time you see me. So impact is critical here. So we asked him about some of his impactful moments in his life, and he told me about how he used to stalk her at college and one year set up this rug and put a hamper in there, shitty sandwiches, cheap-ass bottle of champagne, a boombox with these love tunes on it. As she steps out of the class, he hits the boombox, pops the champagne, he went, care to join me? And she did. So what we did 20 years later was we put her in a limousine, sent her off to get her hair done or something, and she was in jeans and a T-shirt because we told her, no need to get dressed up yet, just go and have your hair done. She goes off. At his local park, we had looked through pictures of his old days, found out what his boombox looked like, <laughs> got the pattern and color of his parents' car, um, his parents' um, uh, picnic rug, and was able to recreate that in a local park. So she didn't come home from the um, from the hair. She actually went to the park, and as they opened up the door of this limousine. There's the carpet, there's the boom box, there's the champagne. He hits the button, opens up, gets the uh, cork off and says, care to join me? <laughs> now, we had spent up to three quarters of a million dollars on stuff for her to do on her anniversary. She took two steps and the tears came out. Yeah. She needed to be escorted to that carpet. I'm on the other side. We have floaters. We have people, ghosters, we call them. They will kind of circle the area to make sure no one can get close to them. We have people walking dogs on really, really long leads and stuff because you can't corner off a part of a public park. But we were circulating, and I was around this side of this tree. I am trying not to bawl my eyes out because <laughs> as a guy who's yeah. been with his wife for 33 years, this girl lost it. Mm. Now, here's the thing. It cost him about 1800 bucks. Yeah for that experience compared to three quarters of a million dollars two years earlier. Most of the expense was trying to find a bloody boom box that actually worked and then having to pay a special professional to actually record onto a cassette because we couldn't buy cassettes anymore. And there were no cables that worked from your bloody computer into a 1980s boom box. Oh, that's so that's where the expense was. So I'm a great believer the most impactful is not related to a checkbook, yes. but, but memories will last forever. So let's let's talk a little bit about that because obviously you know Bluefish does cater to people who are willing to drop three quarters of a million bucks, but it doesn't have to be that. You can be if you've got you know some money, you've got decent money. Obviously, you can't have no money and do this, but if you've got money, um, this is a a very useful service, and I, I should uh, tell people that I. Uh, like I said, I, I am now part of this concierge service and, um, you know, I don't have three quarters of a million dollars to just throw into something for fun, but there is a lot of stuff that a lot of opportunities. Can you talk about that a little bit? Who's, a, who's this appropriate for? I mean, you can have extraordinary experiences without spending a million bucks. Yeah. Uh, well, for a start, Bluefish's membership is five grand a year. Right. Okay. So there'd be a lot of people to go, oh, I don't want to spend five grand for a membership. But we've got people, like especially in our circle, we got speakers that are constantly traveling. Right. They're members of ours purely and simply because someone needs to look after their, their travel details, flights, hotels, transfers. And then you've got people, we send them to Elton John's parties, we send them to front row at Fashion Week. You know, you could, you could spend five grand on a weekend and it'd be really, really cool. You could spend $100,000 and it'd be amazing. So we we look at being best value. Like if someone contacts us, they go, hey, I want to go to New York. We'll find the best hotels that fit that style. Not that checkbook, that style. Then we'll look to see if it fits within their budget. While you're in New York, that's when we turn around and go, hey, we know you love fish restaurants. This new fish restaurants uh, opened up. Should we get you a reservation? Or oh, by the way, there's a new play in town. Would you like to not only go to the play, would you like to meet some of the cast before the play? 
So that's when we add all of it on. The Army Marzell turns around and says, the best thing to do is find a who, not a how. Right. We're the who that knows everything from New York to Bali and everything in between and outside. Um, we're the guys that are there to do all the thinking and the designing for you so you don't have to. Yeah, and I think along that lines, the <clears throat> $5,000 a year is pretty cheap for for having a basically what turns out to be a, a personal concierge uh, yeah. to to set up stuff. I'm I'm actually pretty impressed by the value of that because you know I mean I I haven't really got a chance to dig in yet, but I mean I even as simple as just being uh you know just talk to some of your people about you know I've got a birthday coming up. Do you have some ideas that you know we could do around here that would be you know really fun, maybe a little bit different, but not you know, not off the charts because you know, I have three little kids to come with me. Um, and, 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 you know, they were very helpful. So I think, um, those are the kinds of things too, where it's like, you know, the, it doesn't have to be, I still don't understand how you got the, you know, how you were able to get the Pope to do a wedding. That's, I mean, <laughs> it's my stunning, it's my stunning good looks and charisma. <laughs> And a bottle of whiskey, right? Um, yeah, more, more than a bottle of whiskey, but yes, you're in my ballpark. That's right. That's right. But but uh, but there is a lot of value in it, and um, so so I want to emphasize that you also have a book. Tell us about the book. So to do a book on the most um, you know the most affluent clients I dealt with and um, what they got up to and dropping celebrities. Bottom line of it is. I work with the rich and famous, but most of my clients are richer and unknown. Right. And if I started talking about them, like you don't hear, um, you don't hear about the names of my clients unless they've named themselves. Right. Um, that, that I protect. Then I started doing a lot more speaking and coaching with luxury brands on how to get the right client and stuff. And then they approached me a few years ago and asked me to do a book, not on what I do, but on how I do it. Mm. So, we, looked, we launched a book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Um, that openly tells you the kind of things I got up to, how I made it happen, how my mindset was, what my marketing ploys were, how I reached out to people. And it got released last October. I thought it would be good because I thought it, would, it was the kind of book that people should read, but I didn't think it would be as big as it got. And I didn't think it would suddenly start propelling me into the speeches and the consulting and the coaching that I'm doing. I'm fully booked for speeches up until next March now. Mm. Um, and so it's just gone ridiculous because here's the daft thing. Quite simply, a few years ago, I was a big deal to maybe 2% of the planet, but no one else knew me and everyone else would avoid me. Now I went to, um, I went to Las Vegas last weekend for a speech. I'm in the airport from LA going to Las Vegas and some people had bought my course and came up and wanted a selfie done with me. So it's kind of a bit eerie to be on that side of the fence now. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, the, the, the website, is it, is it bluefish.com? So the concierge is thebluefish.com. The Bluefish. My personal consulting and videos and all that kind of stuff is stevedsims.com. Or you can just text ugly sims, because that's my <laughs> little byword, ugly sims, S-I-M-S, to 345345. And you'll actually get a downloadable PDF of the uh, cheat sheet of blue fishing. So I encourage everybody to take a look at that. This is the kind of stuff that, you know, if you're making money, um, you know, rather than buying a bunch of junk that, uh, you know, these memories are really, really valuable. So hopefully uh, people will take Steve up on that. Steve, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's been it's been a lot of fun. And when you uh, if you ever come up to Santa Barbara, let me know. I'm right up here. So. We're next door neighbors, LA Santa Barbara. So, you know, make, make it happen. Sounds good, man. Thanks again. All the best. Bye. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. I mean, I think, uh, I know it sounds like everything's going to be really expensive, but I mean, granted, you know, the service itself is not that expensive. I think it's like five grand a year. And it's basically like having a personal concierge to everything, you know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good deal. So I would go check that out. Um, you know, the one, the things that I think are really cool about, uh, bluefish is that they can, you know, and I haven't been a member for long, but the big thing is that they can, um, 
they can get you into stuff that seems like it's impossible to get into. Um, you know, for example, I don't know if they'll be able to for sure, but I'm going to, I'm going to, if, if time permits, I'm going to try to go to the NFL draft next year because I've been wanting to go to that for years. It was in Chicago for a couple of years where I, when I lived in Chicago and it was like impossible to get tickets. I mean, it didn't matter what you're willing to pay. You just couldn't get them. Anyway, um, that kind of thing, I think, again, is invaluable. And while we talk about financial wealth and all these other things, I think, remember, you know, what is it all about? It's about the experiences, right? I mean, whether that's experiences, you know, people say time. Well, yeah, time, but it, it, wealth is about time, but it's also about time well spent. And, and that's about your mission. It's about the experiences you have in your life, the time you spend with your family and the things that you, you, you know, you get to do. Um, so anyway, let me know what you're thinking about, uh, these days, uh, in general about bluefish or anything else. Um, go to wealthformula.com and, uh, I encourage you to use that speak pipe function on there. Uh, the speak pipe function will actually let you comment and, you know, ask questions or whatever, and we will play it on the show and on a future, uh, on a future show. Uh, if you're shy and you don't want to speak, you can also just go to Ask Buck and start asking questions there, too, and then I'll have somebody else read it off. Also, uh, also want to point out that they're, uh, on wealthformula.com, uh, if you uh, are inclined to do so, I know you. there's a number of you who are really into this show, uh, if you want to give back a little bit, go there and give us a five-star review. We've made it really easy to go there and click, and you can go to iTunes those reviews really help us. Uh, they help me uh, as I continue to keep a, the quality of this show very high. Um, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the other shows out there, and in, in you know, they're they're all they're promoting a lot of gurus. They're you know, it's it's all become a uh, almost a paid advertisement or whatever, and and I don't like that. I want to continue to. To, to bring you high quality stuff. And in order to do that and to bring, bring better and better people without an agenda, um, we have to continue to get more subscriptions to the show and we got to continue getting five-star reviews. Anyway, I made my point. Hopefully you'll help me with that. This is uh, Buck Joffrey with Wealth Formula Podcast signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.